Welcome, Nuggets Nation, to another edition of the 24K Podcast, the official podcast of your Denver Nuggets. Dubs and Demps at it again. A few days after the season opener for the Nuggets, they beat the Clippers 107-98. to We will talk about that. Uh, just get some initial reactions and then talk about a couple other topics on this edition of The Pod. Demps, Hi. welcome aboard. Hello. <laughs> Let's just start with your initial thoughts um, based on that season opener and maybe compare it to some of the stuff we saw in the preseason as well. Okay, so if I'm going to do that, then I'll, I'd start defensively, and I'd start defensively in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about Maybe it's just amongst our, ourselves, me and you, about the defense. When we the do Nuggets that often. Play. Yeah, <laughs> when, we play, when the Nuggets played against the Bulls in the the preseason finale, and I was just thoroughly impressed with what they put on the court in terms of multiple efforts and um, adhering to a lot of the um, the game plan kind of strategies. Um, just to kind of just put it in, in gen- very general terms, and what I thought happened was it carried over completely, and. Uh, so you saw a lot of multiple effort. You saw, I mean, obviously Boban gave him a little bit of uh, uh, issues, but he's a, obviously he's, he's like, it's you know, he's he's huge. Achilles heel, honestly, for the Nuggets a little bit. Yeah, especially when you just let the ball. I, I, I just think in, in the case of Boban for the Nuggets, they have to have better pressure on the ball so that it's not just being able to be lobbed over the top to a guy who's just rooted in the lane. He's just going to turn around That's exactly what I thought, thinking, too. So. It's like if you're going to like hard hedge off of that ball screen, it better be a really hard hedge so that the ball handler can't, can't find see. a way to get the yeah. ball to yeah. the post. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, in those circumstances, the big is always going to be the center because the Boban is the guy rolling to the rim. So, yeah, so at any rate, outside of that, I thought that the Nuggets were really good on defense. And in fact, then Michael Malone had this ridiculous stat, which was contested shots. And what he said was the Nuggets contested 73 shots and only had no, no contests on six during that game. That's ridiculous. And that Nikola Jokic contested 17 shots by himself and only had two non-contests. And so... I, I guess it's just all to say that a lot of the stuff that carried uh, that they started in the preseason really did carry over into that first game. So I thought that was a really good thing. Were those contests in the Clipper game? Yeah, the Clipper game. I know that they, that's something that they're looking at, that stat uh, in particular, because they talked about that in the preseason a lot too. And almost all of those games were very high numbers like that. Mm-hmm. So Malone's talked a lot about multiple efforts on the defensive side of the ball. And contesting is basically pure effort. So good to see that the Nuggets are are putting action into the words that they are saying, and, and that has carried over for sure to the regular season. Um, I actually have taken a couple days now to, to reflect on that first game. And yeah. initially, especially with that starting group, it, it didn't feel rhythmic at all to me. And I think that that was more so because they weren't hitting shots. Mm-hmm. And... My biggest fear for this team is when shots aren't going in that they turn to a one-on-one style offense or a one-pass shot offense instead of ball movement, cutting without the ball, the characteristics that the Nuggets offense is known for and what makes it very um, effective. So I was a little bit apprehensive um, and like right away after the game was over, I didn't love the way the offense was flowing. But then I 
I've thought about it and I took a look at some of the other numbers and the effort was what really stood out to me. I mean, Paul Millsap didn't make a lot of shots, but he was all over the boards, was flying around defensively. I mean, Gary Harris looked the most confident and calm and poised that I've seen him. Um, I felt like he, from the tip, really dictated what kind of game the Nuggets were going to play, and I really like him in that role. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Jamal Murray be a little bit more of a score first point guard. I feel like he he stepped away from that in that first game where he was looking to exploit some mismatches a little bit. And obviously that's a great option. You should do that, especially when Nicole Jokic is the ball screener and he's being guarded by a guard, like let's get the ball to him. But at the same time, I felt Jamal passed up a couple shots coming off of ball screens because he was first look looking to go inside to a post up there. Um, but overall, I mean, a win on the road to start the season, that's what Malone's talking about is, is being a better road team. And to start on that note is a great thing for this Nuggets team. Uh, it is. And when you don't, I, I don't think they're going to write home to mom about that game. Just in yeah. terms of uh, some of the stuff that you talked about, execution wise and all that, obviously can improve. But what the, the, the component that they showed at the end of the game that they hadn't shown in a lot of the. The majority of the road games last year was the ability to be able to overcome whatever deficiencies and adversities um, had been happening up to that point and then just figure out a way to win. I mean, and that's really just all that happened at the end of the game was, I mean, there was a point in the second half, and I'm talking deep into the third quarter, where the Nuggets had been shooting 22% for the half. Okay, so in a game like that, I don't know how many victories they would have ended up getting after that's that. That's a great that's point. Probably that answer is probably definitely in the single digits. Maybe it's zero. And they were able to, in the last five-ish minutes of the game, just find a way to get stops, but then find a way to make enough shots to to be able to win. And this goes back to Gary Harris. I mean, he made one of the biggest ones. I mean, Mm -hmm. his shot uh, to, I think it gives the Nuggets at the time a four-point lead. I want to say it was 98 to 94 uh, when he made the shot and skipped off the court. (laughs) sauntered was a word that was thrown around in the locker room (laughs) right right and it was at that time i remember thinking when the shot went through they're gonna win this game like that was the shot and and i think the clippers fans also knew that because they all started going that's true even though it was just a four-point game at that point in time but it just felt like the momentum was back with the nuggets and they pulled out a game in a circumstance where they hadn't been able to do that in the past and without panicking, too. Mm-hmm. They, a, a very young team looked mature out there in that situation. And I, I'm sure that that has a lot to do with the tight game situations they were in at the end of last season. They have a lot of experience in that now. Um, even talk like Gary Harris gets a rebound, drives in, gets blocked, gets a rebound, and there's eight seconds on the shot clock, and he somehow finds a way to get the ball to Nicole Jokic for an open three. Mm-hmm. And they knock that down, like yep. late in the game. Like those types of situations before may have led to – G coming down with that board and being like, oh my gosh, I have eight seconds. I need to get something up really quick. But the the poise and the ability, like you said, to find a way to get it done, especially on the road, was it makes me optimistic. Yeah. It was it was good. I, I it was one of those things where I'm I'm very much so on the the team of this Nuggets team can't they're not young anymore. Like I'm tired of people being like, this is a really young team. Yes, they are the third youngest team in the NBA, but 
these guys are ready to take the next step from an experience standpoint. And it was nice to see in the season opener that they have already done that. Yeah, it's just youth versus experience. I mean, I, you know, the, you know, that stat is the the age stat is you you have to take that with a grain of salt anymore because they're all coming in at 18. So everybody in the NBA is young. They're they're, they're all just young. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so the question is, is how many years have you been in this league? That's the question. Yeah. And so when your experience starts to get to a space, um, as you noted in the uh, in previous podcasts and um, just a second ago, when your, your experience gets to a, a space where the Nuggets have it right now, uh, then you should be able to pull out games like this. And they were able to do that. I mean, they're a much more talented team than the yeah. Clippers. I mean, that is just not even uh, – those two teams, talent-wise, really aren't even in the same zip code. Mm-hmm. And – uh, but what the Clippers are putting on the court every night is is a lot of uh, energy and heart and hustle. And if you're not yeah. going to match that, then they're probably going to get you on a, on a, on a night or two. But uh, you know, you look at a guy like you know, uh, take a guy like Patrick Beverly. He didn't make a shot. Yeah, I mean, he's Felt a great trouble. defensive player. Yeah, but he's never been a great offensive player. Mm-hmm. Avery Bradley missed so much time last year and he was very shaky with the shooting and then he had carried some shaky shooting over into the preseason and obviously they were able to force him into a shot but so this is the kind of team you must be anyway yeah and so the nuggets were able to do that and it's um uh, without playing their best game and i think that's a really good sign yeah so with that in mind i want to ask you and i will also give my thoughts on this as well but the first game of the season was a tight game situation down the stretch where we may have had a play drawn up for a player to make a game-winning shot. And Gary sort of did that, um, given it wasn't a buzzer beater, but it still was a key shot at a key moment where the Nuggets needed um, a bucket. So who would you put your money on here? Um, if If the Nuggets were to be in a situation like that again, who are you drawing the play up for? Uh, if I'm just going off of recent history I you know I, I just think I don't know how Gary Harris wouldn't be at the top of the list I think we saw Jamal Murray make some big shots last year late in some games in a couple of mm-hmm. games he's obviously clearly never afraid to take that shot <laughs> yeah um I'd probably start with those Will Barton made one late I mean I remember him making a layup late Chicago yeah, yeah. at home last um year. I, I think the Nuggets ha- are in a good situation because they have a number of guys who are not who are willing first of all they're a capable of making the shot but b they're more than willing to take the shot they're not scared of the situation yeah. and so uh, you know I haven't even mentioned Nikola Jokic and Nikola Jokic I you know I early in the season last year I think it was in Atlanta I remember him making a couple of dagger shots late in the game uh to for to help the Nuggets win the game so the good thing is is that it's an interesting question because you know you I remember for many, many years uh, that it was kind of the question was, well, who takes the last shot? You have so many players, but who's, who's yeah. who do you want to? And I think to a certain extent, like that question could still be asked. But actually, I think there's a more solid answer right now. And it could be answered by like four different guys. Yep. And so um, I, I think they're in a really good situation with that kind of stuff. Gary Harris just has right now the most the most memorable super late game shots mm-hmm. on the team so far. Yeah. Um, and then you sprinkling guys who have done it in a game or two. And so that, you know, you uh-huh. have 
a, a number of players who can get take and make that shot. Yes. I Gary is so smart that I think I would probably trust him the most to make the decision late in the game of like what's going to be a good shot. I'm going to try and drive to the basket and if that's not there then maybe I'll shoot a pull up and his pull up is one of the best on the team. Um and he's so consistent and reliable in that way of of making smart decisions and if he doesn't have the open look he'll find somebody that has a really good open look in those situations. I like what you said about Jamal. I think that he, again, is very capable of knocking down those types of shots. And Will Barton is so crafty that if you need something to be created, he will absolutely do that for you. You literally could clear it out. Will Barton's like the guy. You could just clear it out and say, yes. just take that guy. Go to work. Yeah, and, and he'll be able to do that. Yes. I think it leads to a greater conversation, though, too, of this starting lineup of five guys who basically any of them can score 20, 25 points on any given night. And how is that, that balance going to work itself out? I, you know, I, I, I think it's night, night to night, to be honest with you. Um, so Jamal Murray didn't have a great shooting night. You're talking about three for 12, one of four from three point range, uh, against the Clippers. So obviously he's probably going to average 18 to 20 points per game this season. Yeah. He's not going to have many of those, those, those kinds of shooting nights. Um, you know, I, I think this is just going to work. And, and Paul Millsap was one for seven in the first game. So, I mean, you know, these are players that won't, will not shoot it like that. This is fun. it's actually leads me to a kind of, of of a funny conversation. So me and Chris Marlowe, the I love funny guy. conversations. Yeah. Fill me in. Yeah, yeah. Me, me and Chris Marlowe, the the play by play guy, um, always have this argument. And the argument is is how many players in a starting lineup can score twenty points. And my argument is like five guys can't average twenty points. Like I agree five with guys you. can't do that. It's impossible. And his argument kind of is, well, yes, they can. I mean, they just uh, yes, they can. You just need everybody. There aren't enough at, shots to go around. Just, and even for a team like the Nuggets, who get up a ton yes. of shots and keep the pace really high, I'm on your side for what it's so worth. So what I think is going to happen is it's just going to be, uh, you know, I think so too. Somebody's going to have a great shooting night. Somebody's not going to have a great shooting night. Nikola Jokic is probably always going to score twenty points just because whether he shoots it to a high percentage or yeah. not, he just gets there. Silent assassin. <laughs> That's really what I'm going to call him this season. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I watched that game and I looked at the stat sheet at the end and was like, oh. "Wait, how did he score twenty one points? Right. I don't remember a single shot that he took. Right. But he has twenty one points. Right. Yeah. So I mean. He's kind of like the one lock for every single night yeah. getting to 20. And then, yeah. you know, after that, I think, you know, Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they'll all have their their moments to where, uh, you know, they're scoring, um, you know, that, that, that high. And so it's I think it's kind of a fun starting lineup just because there's just there's so many really good options. It's not it's not just like now oh, there's options. Yeah. You know, there's. There's guys who can all put big numbers yes. up kind of options in the yeah. starting lineup. And so that makes it fun. I think so, too. Um, Nuggets fans, we will not always be breaking down every single game in this way. But because it was the regular season opener, we wanted to maybe have a little bit of a more in-depth look at what we saw, especially since the rotations are much more like we will expect all season long. But another big piece of news this week Head coach Michael Malone gets himself a contract extension. Money Malone is here <laughs> to stay for an undisclosed amount of time. Yep. Um, but he is here for a while with the Nuggets. Um, and Dempsey and I actually had the opportunity to be at the end of that practice where 
Kroenke uh, came in, Josh Kroenke and Tim Connolly were there, and, and they were the ones to announce it to the team. And it was a really cool moment to to be able to witness um, Josh Kroenke talking to the players and the coaching staff and saying, hey, we were able to get a deal done. Um, Malone's going to be here for uh, a couple more years. And so it was – I really like enjoyed being able to have an eye on that situation I guess and seeing the players react the way that they did everybody obviously applauded and congratulated coach and guys were joking about it being like dinner's on you tonight coach like (laughs) haha very funny yeah (laughs) money Malone Um, (laughs) money Malone so I mean I guess how did you feel being in in the room when that was taking place well I I guess first of all I felt like he deserved it And, and it's actually pretty funny because I I've taken some arrows on this one over the course I'd say about the last year or so uh, because I have been a very vocal supporter of what Coach Malone has done with this team over the last couple of seasons. And the arrows I take, obviously, the, well, they haven't make, made the playoffs arrows. Gotcha. True. Though that, that, is, that is a fact. However, these are also facts. Yeah. The other facts were he has led a team that had 30 victories three seasons ago. 246 victories last season Mm -hmm. he has overseen uh the transformation of an offense that i remember his first press conference here and maybe 10 minutes into his first press conference one of the things he said was we're just gonna have to find a way to be able to to be able to shoot the ball better he was not wrong about that because (laughs) under brian shaw it was a very terrible shooting situation. They just couldn't score. It was bad. And now you're talking about one of the best offenses in all of the NBA mm-hmm. to a point where LeBron James is even commenting after preseason games. Well, what we want to be is like the Denver Nuggets over there yes. who are all the continuity they have on offense. LeBron James. Saying yeah, that. LeBron James. He has overseen the growth and development of Gary Harris, who we just talked about. Um, Nikola Jokic, who was the 41st pick in the draft, to being a max contract player and the leader of a team and the guy who can just roll out on the court and score 30, give you 21, 8, and 5 assists on a game where we're kind of like, oh, he looks maybe, yeah, he was all right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jamal Murray, who uh, GMs have tabbed the, the, you know, most like player most likely to break out this season. Yeah. Point guard to watch. Right. So, you're talking about when you're talking about a coach, you're talking about how that individual is uh, able to transform a program, to instill hard work, to instill discipline, to help players improve, mm-hmm. and then obviously to improve the wins as a team. Yep. And if we're going to judge coaches on this criteria, then he checked every single box. Yes. And so, okay, a team with 46 wins doesn't get into the playoffs for like the sixth time in the history of the entire league. (laughs) So we're going to penalize them for that? Yeah. I don't think so. And so I think it was very well deserved for him. Uh, And now, obviously, everybody's expectation is for this team to get to the playoffs. But yes, I mean, there is no situation in all of my 21 years of being around sports and covering sports that I have seen a coach lead a team to this kind of improvement on so many different levels and didn't get rewarded for it. So, yeah, yeah, I think it was incredible and awesome. and He deserved it. I completely agree with you. And I think one of the most important aspects of this is that this got done when it did. Mm -hmm. And this announcement was made when it was. 
Um, I mean, what a way to kick off the, the regular season for sure. But I can't imagine playing in an environment where like, you don't really know what's going to happen with your coach. Right. And a lot of these guys, I mean, I talked with Jamal after that practice and just was like, great for Malone. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He's been with me since I got here too. Mm-hmm. And he's watched these guys grow up in so many ways, has developed this culture with the Nuggets that's pretty different than the one he came into. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just like you said, the way that he's been able to consistently grow through the years. He's checked all the boxes of what you would want a coach to do. He's taken what the front office has given him player-wise and developed that and made the most of whatever situation that he's had. So I think it was well-deserved too. And it was really cool listening to him reflect on it a little bit after shoot around Mm -hmm. and hearing him say, you know, the the people that are probably going to be happiest about this are my daughters who get to to stay in Denver and to have some consistency in their life. And I think that that's just like a good reminder that like coaches mm-hmm. and players are humans too. Yeah. Sometimes we forget that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, security, you know, listen, I, I, on one hand, they understand what they're getting into in this profession. On the other hand, it still matters. Like security still matters. I mean, it's uh, regardless of what you know you're getting into or not, it's still nice to know that you can exhale and unpack some boxes and be able to take have your and kids the rest of the attend coaching school staff too. Yeah, absolutely. It trickles yeah. all the way down. It trickles all the way down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, through rest of the coaching staff, training staff, yes. all that stuff. See, when coaches turn over, when head coaches turn over, then uh, almost the entire situation turn, turns mm-hmm. over. And so it is a the head coach's situation really does affect many, many individuals within an organization. And so, uh, yeah, there is a, a chance for them all to exhale. And then when you obviously in Michael Malone's case, when you also have um, young daughters who are in school mm-hmm. who want to stay with their friends and, you know, I mean, think about they were in Sacramento for that long. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was OK. Oh, you made some friends in Sacramento. Now you're going to Denver. Or actually, well, for, first of all, it was, I don't know where you're going. Yeah. And then it was Denver. Yeah. And so it's just a nice, you're right. It's just nice to know on a human level that you have some security, at least for a few years. And you can now go about that. You can really kind of hone in on your work without worrying yes. about your family who, who mm-hmm. was worried. So. Yeah. Great. It was it was very cool to, to be able to see that. And again, Malone, very humbled and grateful for that opportunity and He's one of the most genuine guys that I've I've been around in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all down here from here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I always tell young reporters this, and uh, because I've dealt with so many coaches over time, and executives for that matter over time, the situation that the Nuggets have here, and the situation that anybody covering this team right now has with yeah. dealing with Michael Malone and dealing with Tim Conley and Josh Kroenke and Arturis and all of them, like this is by far the best situation you will ever have in your life covering covering a team on any level. It's unreal. Like they are all great to work with, great, very personable. I mean, it's just a it's different here. <laughs> it yeah. really is different here. Yep. Like you're not getting this kind of a situation in most other places. Um, and so I always say, just soak it in. Yeah. <laughs> just soak it in. I don't take it for granted at all. Yeah. And I, granted, I haven't had as much experience as you have, but even the experience that I have had, it's like night and day yeah. being around this team and this staff. And that's from the, the top down too. Mm-hmm. the training staff, the players, the coaches, the front office, all of the people that are involved. It yeah. is like, wow, 
it's so nice to be treated as just a human and to see that you guys are that way too. And you know what? And, and, and Katie, I think that starts, that now starts at the executive level. So, yeah. so, so I'm talking Tim Connolly here, the, the, the general manager slash president, yeah. president of basketball operations, those people who hire who set culture standards, mm-hmm. um, th- how things operate day to day, or how a- an organization um, is going to um, treat people? It, like that is set at those levels. Because yeah. when when those pe- in- individuals are difficult to deal with, then it trickles down, and you have more individuals within the departments that are difficult to deal with. But when you have as personable and as down down to earth a person as Tim Conley and Josh Kroenke, mm-hmm. these are the guys who are heading all of this, then it just, the entire organization kind of follows suit. And that's what we, yeah. have. they hire like-minded people. Yep. And that's kind of the situation they have here in Denver. It's nice. Yeah. Mile High City, baby. Mile High Basketball. Mile Hashtag Mile High, high basketball. basketball. Well, speaking of Mile High Basketball, which we have this entire podcast, we want to just address a little bit the fact that we have only been to three cities this month. <laughs> um, and we're going to go off off um, the basketball road for just a quick second because we have spent time in Denver, obviously, mm-hmm. and L.A. and Chicago. And those are the only three cities that we have really been in for the past month. Yeah. Um, Dempsey, I would just really like to hear maybe a great story from you on the road or likes, dislikes, favorite, favorite city of the three, I guess. You know, what's funny about that is I'm actually really not a big LA fan. I'm not. And why um, is that? Uh, you know, (laughs) this is going to sound kind of cheesy, but I, I was born and raised in Denver and this was a medium sized city when Mm -hmm. I was, and I just, when cities get really large, I, I just don't feel right all the time. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is this is a this is a little bit much. However, in the case of LA, you have sunshine and beaches and everything else, and that I can always get down with. Always on board. <laughs> always that, yeah. on board with that. So a city like New York, though, I I am never on board with New York. I, I I'm just not in. Uh, that's not my kind of city. However, no big apples for you. No, no. So from the <laughs> from the standpoint that we were in LA, well, we were in San Diego, which. I love San Diego. Yeah. And I hadn't been there in years. Uh, when I covered colleges really heavily, I was in San Diego kind of often. But it's been a lot it's been a lot of years since I've been mm-hmm. on the college beat, so it was just fun to be back in San Diego. And I yeah. know when we got there I was like, "Katie, Bob and everybody, we have to go to Del Mar. Yeah. There's a city called Del Mar. <laughs> we have to go. It's a beach town. It's great. We go. We're Which going. lived up yeah. to all of the expectations you set. <laughs> so yeah, so I loved that part a whole lot. Yeah, San Diego was your favorite thing. San Diego's my favorite Which, thing. Okay. One of my favorite yeah. things in world. Well, um, I am a big beach person too, and I hadn't been to the beach in a while, and it was really nice to be able to run. Yeah, by the beach. Mm-hmm. But um, I consider myself a pretty athletic person. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part. Yeah, I do too. Um, College athlete. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, you know. Digress. Um, <laughs> I went trail running near the beach, and I experienced one of my most embarrassing moments in San Diego. <laughs> what happened? Well, the trail was a little more rugged than I was anticipating, 
<laughs> and I've got my my headphones in and my music blaring and I'm feeling motivated and I I hate running to start but like running on the beach how can you say no to that right. like I just am able to like kind of look around and see past the pain that I'm experiencing <laughs> and see the beauty trail running and there are quite a few people on this trail it's not like it's just me it's yeah. a, it's a pretty trafficked area I wiped out like I've never wiped out before. <laughs> what? Um, what? How did that happen? I know. It was like down, there were like some uneven stairs. Yeah. And so we're blaming I, the stairs? Yes, we are. <laughs> we are blaming anything that I can at this point. Okay. I fell and Nuggets Nation, I rolled probably five feet. <laughs> On the ground. And there were people around me at this time. And so everybody was like, oh, are you okay? Oh my gosh. Like, trying to help me up. And my headphones are still blaring music. And I was so embarrassed that it was one of those things where I like rolled and then shot up. Because I was like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine I'm, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. Yeah, no, we're all good. We're Everything's good here. Nothing to see here, people. It's fine. So I kept running probably for 100 feet. And then I stopped because I, I was in pain. I I was thinking to myself, this might be a little worse than I thought, but I don't want anybody to see that I was investigating injuries when it actually happened. And by that point, I had blood running down my leg, like completely scraped up knees, bruises on my elbows. But I continued to the run. Because you're a warrior. That well, Whatever. That's not really the reason. But at that point, I was already was... that close to the beach. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going. Well, there's a beach there. It was... Yeah, that was one of my funniest stories from training camp, I guess, like off of the court. But yeah, let's see. I'm gonna rank the Katie funniest stories. Oh, good. Oh, we're gonna tell. Are we gonna tell my spilling stories too? Next? Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. This is so. The running story might be number two actually, because that was a really funny story when you when you came. Well and you guys saw my knee too. Yeah, it which, was all... which was actually wasn't funny. I was like, whoa, do you need stitches? Yeah. <laughs> Are you good? Uh but the was that the first practice? Was it the I first it training was camp pra- was the second training camp yeah. practice thing? Second training camp practice of <laughs> Katie's new in Katie's Rookie new life. Yeah, Rookie exactly. life. Uh she rolls in with like the biggest cup of coffee you're being dramatic you're already being dramatic she goes and finds this huge cup of coffee um rolls in with some food and everything and so we're sitting courtside next to the court um this is san diego state university uh the the team had actually just exited the court to go down wherever they were going to watch some film Katie rolls in, sits down. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm so, I'm gonna chow down on this and just drink <laughs> the I heck out of this eat. coffee. You yeah. found that out really early on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was pumped to eat my breakfast. Sits down, puts the coffee down on the court, and it's kind of like, oh, I hope it's, good. I hope I don't spill this cup. And those were the last, the fateful, <laughs> last fateful words before. Whoosh, all over the court. Well, not all the, the court, the baseline of the court. How many towels did it take to uh, clean it? Three. And thank goodness the team was not in there when this was happening because I think I would never live this down. But it's so so funny that you said that. I set the coffee down next to my backpack as I was turning to get my notepad out to take notes or something. And as I set it down, in my head, I thought, that's probably not the best place for that. (laughs) But I left it there because why Why not? It's going to be there for two seconds, whatever. It's cool. Turned and my chair just shifted slightly (laughs) enough to knock my backpack, which then knocked over the coffee, and the entire training staff and PR staff and coaching staff that wasn't in film looked at me, and it was just like, are you kidding? 
How many days have you been here? <laughs> we Two? let you in, and this yeah. is what you do. This is what you're. This is what's gonna happen. And I was scrambling. I'm like, where are the towels? I need to before it gets on the court. I need to find a place to clean this up. Uh, it was fantastic. So we got it all taken care of. The the team never saw, but. It was, yep. It was hilarious. And it started off, it kicked off a week of uh, Katie spilling things everywhere. So, including <laughs> <laughs> apparently myself yeah. while running. It was it was great. So, <laughs> those, were the, those are my funny Katie stories. Well, I'm looking for a funny story from you, too. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I'm just a very serious person. No, you are Super not. Super serious person. No. <laughs> I did. I, I, I don't know. Nothing funny really happened to me. I'm trying to think. That's okay. Well, um, it's I, a long season. It is. <laughs> there, yeah, we'll, there will we'll be. check in yeah. periodically with road trip stories for yeah, you guys, just no so doubt. you get an inside look at, at what happens when we're not at practice <laughs> or not watching games. Um, but this was my first time to California, really. I went to, to basketball camp there when I was younger, but I had never really been to L.A. Yeah. And I did grad school in Chicago, so I lived in Chicago for a year. And it was great to be back there, so I knew what to expect when I was um, visiting that area. But L.A. was interesting to me Mm -hmm. um and i've been to new york city so i kind of get the big city life but it's it's very hipster it is and and denver is very hipster too and i i jokingly tweeted about how i hated myself for going to a create your own salad place and drinking rose water and blah blah and and i wanted to punch myself in the face (laughs) but it it la is just a it's a very interesting place and hollywood is very real and it's yeah uh, I think I would go back and visit for sure, yeah. but it's it. I, I don't think I could call it home. Uh, no, I couldn't either. But there's beaches there, so you always want to go back and get go and back co- to yes. the beaches. Yeah, the, the weather's always great there. So yeah, no, it's um the the road. Uh, you know, listen, the road in the NBA is interesting just because you visit a lot of interesting cities, and Chicago is one of them. And we'll be back for right around Halloween. Um, you're just not there for very long. Mm-hmm. You know, and in some cases, you're not even there for 24 hours. Yeah, and um, so you you literally have to keep going back to these cities to kind of understand what it is that you're yeah. dealing with uh, w- w- within each one of them. So, um, but it certainly is a lot of fun. It's ma- it makes it it's even more fun when you have a bunch of people around you that you love. And uh, you know, since I've well, first of all, when I traveled with the Denver Post, I had nobody around. It was just me. Um, and, and yeah. in fact, there was nobody else covering the team. It was media wise. Yep. It was just me. So I just hung out with. I just went to dinners and whatever. Um, but now it's so much fun to have like this big group of people that we have you and um, and Bob and uh, just everybody at Marlo. Everybody's so much fun, mm-hmm. and so it is a. Um, it, it makes very long road trips in a very long season just a lot more enjoyable yes well that long season is just getting started we we went off track a little bit there with some some food fun city stories but we will share those periodically with you guys throughout the season um and it's here mile high basketball is officially back and a couple home games coming up and and we are we are back at it so for dempsey I am Katie Wingy, and that wraps up another edition of the 24K Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Look out for the next one next week.